Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. How are we doing, everybody? Welcome back to the first ever University of Adversity Summit. And we have such an amazing speaker coming on here. The legendary Tim Story. He's internationally acclaimed author, motivational speaker, and life coach. He is well known for inspiring and motivating people of all walks of life, from enter entertainment executives, celebrities, athletes, to adults, and children in most deprived neighborhoods in the country. Tim has visited 75 countries and has spoken to millions of people and gives talks to all over the world, often for crowds up to 85,000 people. He has worked alongside Quincy Jones, Robert Downey Jr., Oprah, and many others. Tim's new book, The Miracle Mentality, is now available everywhere, and it's an honor to have him on. Tim, welcome to University of University. Proud of you, man. I like you. I like what you're about. I like the name. I was studying you a few days ago, and then again this morning, I'm like, man, I wish I would have come up with that name. <laughs> that, the University of Adversity, dude, that's next level. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm super excited to have you on because you have such a powerful story and I love your outlook on life. And, you know, I'm just really excited to dive in because, you know, I've seen you all over on different podcasts and interviews and i'm just so grateful to have you here now and it's a it's a privilege so let's if you don't mind let's start off with more i want to ask you a question sure how how has the summit gone for you you know i've been i've been doing this a long time i've been doing this 40 years so for you as a young cat how how has it been going i mean your roster was amazing. I mean, you got so many great speakers, male and female. How how is it feeling as we're coming down here to an end? Tim, it's it's been such a blessing. Like my heart is filled with so much gratitude that it's really hard to understand how full I feel with you know bringing everybody together and to be able to like have a container to open up and share and there's just been so many moments and you know, doing this is our first summit and, you know, my team just came together in so many ways and everybody just came in and just dialed in in all areas. And it's just been an absolute success in every way. And I'm just so grateful. Like I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, I feel like when you're doing something, when you're aligned with what you're doing, your purpose, the right people kind of show up Yeah. and 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 thank you for the acknowledgement. That means a lot. And it's it's a beautiful journey. As you know, you come to contact with these people and you learn and you grow. And it's it's just so I, I'm just my heart is just full of gratitude. I, I love it. So the University of Adversity, is that something you plan on taking like to live conferences and seminars, masterminds in the future? Yeah, you read my uh, manifestation right out loud there. That is, you know, the podcast, University of Adversity podcast started. And then, you know, we've done over, you know, 300 and some episodes. And yeah, my vision is to really create live events, you know, create platforms where people have that open container for them to share. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, on big stages, that's, that's really the goal for sure. I think yeah. the role I can play today is because I've been at this again for so long that when you go do these massive conferences, let's say 10X, Grant Cardone, I've done four of the last five. I'm the only speaker that's done that many. So if they have, if they have Kevin Hart, then they have Travolta, then they have Floyd Mayweather, then you got to say, okay, where do I fit in in this group? Does that make sense? Yeah. I am phenomenal at what I do on the comeback. I do not think I can be beat on turning your setbacks to comebacks. I've written two books on that, but more than the books, it's that's what I do on a daily basis. I, I get people out of crap. So we can talk a little bit about that, but I also think that, you know, one of the things that I'm loving that you're doing is this, this idea of adversity. You can have a promise of something. I write, wrote this down. You can have the right principles. You can have the right plans, but then you can have the problem. The problem is the adversity. Mm. It's the opposition to your mission. Most people don't know how to handle adversity. Mm. That's why in studying you, I went, that rascal, man, that's such a great title. Because most people do not know how to go through adversity. Dude, they don't. Yeah, I know. That's why they like detour, go the other way, stay addicted, stay with the covers over their head, because they don't want to face the facts of adversity. Mm. But you're willing, kind of almost like a Russell Brand is doing right now, you're willing to acknowledge the adversity and then we're, you're bringing on thought leaders to say, yo, this is how to get through it. So mm. I'd be one of your like uh, Compton born and bred adversity gurus. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And I, I love how, how your perspective, you know, because having that, it's all perspective on, on the situation, right? Like how you look at it, you have that choice and you talk about how when we're younger, you know, we believe in all these things, you know, and, and that really resonated with me because then all of a sudden in life, we don't believe that things are possible and it comes to when things come at us too. And being able to believe that anything is possible, meaning that adversity in front of us is so powerful, but so many people have lost that along the way. Yes. Yes. So I will say this to you. Let's, let's go back to like when we were kids. Okay. Yeah. Like second, third, fourth, fifth grade playgrounds are like electrified. Yeah. You just hear noise. You just hear noise. I was even working one day across the street at a rehab center. And across the street from the rehab center was a school of kids. And you could just hear them like, ah, okay, it's recess. So kids have, watch how cool this is, a shout. S-H-O-U-T. They have a shout. What the heck happened to our shout as we get older? Even teenagers, 20-something-year-olds, 30-something-year-olds. So 
I told Oprah Winfrey this. I said, life has knocked the shout out of people. Mm. It's like we just been hitting the stomach. And the shout got knocked out of us. When we were kids, go back to elementary school recess. Where's that shout coming from? It's not like just one kid's yelling. There's so much shout coming from their energy that it's loud. And, and then how about this? If you are like in the third, fourth, fifth grade, because sixth grade, you start to get cool. You're not shouting as much. Yeah. But third, fourth, fifth grade, the teacher leaves to go talk to another teacher. I swear this used to happen. They didn't even have cell phones, but somehow they like must have had walkie talkies like need to talk to you. And I would see like one teacher talking to the other. Soon as the teacher left, the volume went. Da -da 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 and then the teacher comes back and goes, Shh. bring it down. Bring the shout down. So a lot of what you're about is bringing the shout back. You've had adversity, man. People have had setbacks. Get the shout back. Tell me what that says to you. I resonate with that so much because that true essence of us as kids, we just want to be kids and be free. And then somebody's telling us to stop, to stop dreaming or stop doing things that we, we really want to do and to start doing things that make more sense in society. You know, like there's a perfect. Yeah. Like if you, if you walk into like a little girl's room and she says, this is my imaginary friend, Amber. It's like, and she may not even call it imaginary. She just says, this is Amber. And the parents are like, what? We don't see yeah. anything. She could be tripping. No, she's using her imagination. So let me tell you cool research. So for this book that you were talking about, The Miracle Mentality, I talk about how I'm not trying to get you to get a miracle mentality. I'm trying to get you to remember and restore your damn miracle mentality. Mm. Dude, you had it. I'm trying to get yeah. them to remember and restore it and renovate it so they can launch it. And so a lot of times, like if a kid says, this is my imaginary friend, the parents get nervous and they try to confine, okay, bring everything in, restrict, with the child thinking in the imagination, when really as kids, we just wanted to play, man. We wanted to play, we wanted to soar, we wanted to believe. But part of this thing that you're talking about, adversity, many times came from our mentors and our tutors. You know, it's so interesting because when you're saying remembering, it's so much as well about even really tapping into your purpose. It's almost like remembering and unlearning all the things for yeah. years, right? Because we already intuitively know a lot of the times, but it takes a lot of like removing of the stories of the past or the, the things that we've gone through to tap into that, that truth. Yeah. Connect. Yes. And again, with the speakers that you guys have brought on and with your calling, because you're called, 
Like you're the leader of this team here. So when I, when I come on your team today, even though I'm a savvy veteran, dude, I'm submitting to your vision right now. And the reality is what you just said is that what we did many times is because we respected our grandfather, our grandmother, our aunt, our uncle, our parents. But many times their version of what life was about created these restrictions in our lives. Now watch how cool this is. So George Lopez, the comedian, Mexican comedian from East LA, he tells a story in his comedy act that's really cool. He said, I had an aunt. And what is your mixture? I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Canada. So we, my all my family came from Europe. So the most of, I'm a quarter Greek and a bunch of other stuff. So I got a, I got a good mix. I could see the Greek <laughs> side. It's cool. You got, you like, Thanks you get enough. olive complected in the sun. You're going to get. Well, I was just in Costa Rica for a while too, for the last few months. So I got that tan base. So yeah. It's working. But, so, thanks, so George Lopez is Mexican. So he said that he had an aunt, a tia, like a tia. Your aunt is your tia. Your uncle's your tio. How do I know I'm half Spanish and I'm black. My mother is Spanish from Spain. My father's black from Cuba. Okay. So. His tia, his aunt, used to say to him, George, you're trying to make it big on this comedy. You're going to end up in the streets. Is this cool? This is in his comedy act. He goes, I did end up in the streets. The Hollywood Walk of Fame. In other words, he didn't let his aunt's words restrict him and entangle him. Mm. A lot of what we need to do is we need to detangle ourselves from the crap people told us <laughs> when we were and, uh, yeah and that's i wanted to ask you this going through you know such loss at such a young age for you and just being able to create what you've created like how much how aware were you and what, how bad much did that affect you later on in creating? Like, did you have to do a lot of work or did you have good people around you that guided you through? It smashed me. You know, I've only been in a couple accidents in my life, car accidents that I, I never created. I was just part of them. One of them was one of my buddies would come from a long trip and he was tired. He was driving his car on the freeway in LA and a big semi started coming into our lane out of nowhere. So I went to him like, whoa, like that dude's coming in. And his reaction was slower than normal, even though it was a semi's fault, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he didn't use his mind and he came over. And when he did that, boom, he had another car that was next to us. And then that car, bounced us into the lane we were in and doggone it, we hit the doggone semi. Okay. While that was happening, I don't know if you've ever been in an accident. It was like everything went in slow motion. You hear about this, but dude, it happened. It was like, whoa, you start thinking, am I going to live? Oh, we're spinning. Am I going to live? We hit it in a banquet and we hit this in banquet and 
we're really good friends. We just stare at each other and like, can you move? Yes. Mm. Whoa, are you okay? I think I am. It was crazy, right? So, because the car was all crushed, it was totaled. Wasn't our fault. I say all this to say this, is that that's what it felt like to have my dad die when I was 10. Yeah. It was like he was alive one day, went to a restaurant to get my mother food. Man ran a red, ran a red light at 7.30 at night and he never came home. Mm. It was just like being hit by a semi, but you didn't know how to handle it. And my life went in slow motion for like four years. Yeah, because that's such a that's such a time that's so it creates so much for later on, you know. And you know, I I didn't lose a loved one at that age, but I'm just thinking about you know I had to move across the country from my mom, and even that that broke my heart so much that even today I'm still dealing with wounds from that. So I think about Lou, if I actually lost my dad or my mom at that time, like, I don't know how much deeper those wounds and how I would have been able to handle that. It's so that, that, that age that, that, you know, from what we know, even in science, like what's, what happens in that time is so important at building how we look at life later on in our relationships and the trauma. And it's just yeah. like, it's true, but. Here comes you at the University of Adversity. So university means that there's going to be education and there's going to be conversation. Yeah. Careful, man, because I, 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 I spit gold, so be oh, careful. I love it. This is like Jay-Z on a good night. Come yeah. on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't treat me like another guest. <laughs> like, oh, and we have so-and-so. Nah. No. I'm about to spit gold. Okay. So here's the deal. University adversity. So that means you're going to teach us something that we can apply. You're going to teach us something that we can apply. So university adversity is we're going to teach you that adversity is there for everybody. Nobody, nobody on this planet can go through this life without adversity. Adversity will come physically. Mentally, emotionally, it will happen in your finances, in your job. It'll happen with people dying that we wish they did not die. There's going to be adversity, conflict, challenge, pain, boom, adversity. Okay, number one. But we can do better things with the crisis that we face. So... The setback or the crisis does not have to cause you to go into this chaotic state or this place of madness. We can manage the madness. How powerful is this? Mm. We can grow from it. We can turn it into a library and a sanctuary. And as you know, that's what I do with over 300 entertainers that I coach. That's I have that and more. The biggest names in the world. Why are they coming to me? I've never looked for one. Because I've mastered this craft of what the crap to do with adversity. That's how I see it. Hmm. 
Powerful, dude. I need to sit for a second with that. I want to make sure that we get a couple questions in for you because I want to respect your time also. So let's, are you okay to open up for a couple questions, yeah. Tim? I like, I awesome. like, I like your followers. Thanks. They love you. Mia, can we get a question for our man, Tim, please? Of course. Uh, I just want to say, Tim, it is such an honor to have you on here. You are such a cool dude. <laughs> just Jay-Z spitting gold. We love this. We love it. Spitting gold today, man. <laughs> the reason I say that is because sometimes I have a hard time doing these conferences because they're like, Joe Schmo, Jill Schmo. And then they're like, the seven steps of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, crap, man. I'm about to. I'm about to just tear up my notes. I'm going to start just, I'm going to freestyle. Yeah, man. Okay. What do we got? Yeah, because you get, because you have so many conversations that you, yeah, so many people probably ask you the same stuff. No, but that's part of it. But the other thing is, I think a lot of people are talking with no depth. Yeah. That, oh, man, I know. It's easy to read like 17 books and then, like take a little bit from everybody and mm. then have your own little vibe. Dude, yeah. that ain't going deep. There, there's, 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 a, there's a reason, because you're an artist, I can feel you. There's a reason that certain artists, whether they're painters, whether they are singers, whether they're film directors, whether they're actors, dude, look at Al Pacino, look at De Niro. There's such texture to their acting because it's marinated deep inside of them mm. so yeah that's the difference all right let's, let's yeah man let's talk to the yeah team. let's, let's yeah that that's the yeah absolutely the, yeah man all right let's do it mia you got one for him of course so andrea would love to know hi tim <laughs> i'd like to know one piece of advice you could give to your younger self that we can all learn from in hopes to grow up to be as spiritually sound as you are now. Yeah, number one, hi Mia, I like your voice. Okay, so this was Andrea who asked the question? Yeah. Here's yeah. what I would say. I would say that I would say to my younger self, cool it, chill out. You don't need it to happen now. I think when you're younger, you have like the dream of that thing and that desire. And you want that dream and the desire to happen really quick, whether it's a car you see or a person you want to date or a dream or a goal that you have. But there's a reason that life makes you sit and learn, stand in what you learned, walk in what you learned, run in what you learned, and then soar in what you've learned. So I'd say to my younger self, who started as a dishwasher, then to a busboy, then to a waiter, chill out, little Timmy from Compton. You're going to be Tim Story one day. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Boom. And you got you to gotta be the dishwasher, Timmy. You got to be the, the busboy that they talk down to. This is all shaping you to be the guy that gets to blow up stages in 75 countries of the world. Mm. That's what I'd say to that guy. Boom. <laughs> what else do we got, Mia? 
We have an amazing question from Samantha. She says, for someone that feels like you can't go on anymore, what advice would you give them to tap into the miracle mentality? I would say to that person, number one, that makes me feel terrible that you feel that way, but I can understand why you could feel that way. Because disappointment makes you heart sick, according to a poem. There's a poem that says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick but a sudden good break can turn your life around. So I, I work with people, famous and not so famous, that they feel like, F it, I'm done. It's a bad place to be. So usually it happens because of disappointment, something didn't work or something's happening on the mental illness side, on the depression side, or the, you know, it's just dark side. But I would say just work on living again. When I say living, the word live also is translated to be animated. When somebody is alive, that means they're animated. When you see little kids and they're alive, that means they're animated. That's why little kids who are animated, they like to watch animation. Isn't this interesting? So to the person who feels like dying, if I was coaching you, I would trigger you again. I would take you back to TV shows you used to like to watch, to music you like to watch, to places you like to go to, and I'd trigger you. That's what I do with people, is they'll come to me at their lowest state and their homework assignment would be, okay, you said you like Marvin Gaye, I want five days of Marvin Gaye straight. And they go, that sounds like crap. I go, do it and just tell me. They'll text me and they go, damn, you're good at what you do. It triggered me, man. It took me back to the good times. Or really, you like Journey? Okay, five days of Steve Perry and Journey. Triggers you. You got to trigger yourself back to your state of innocence. Why is that effective? Because it's the real you. It's the real you before you had to be dealing with all this conflict out here. Mm. And so I, I do this thing, and I say this in my book, Miracle Mentality, that if you take a trip in your car, let's say for like four hours from one destination to the next, in certain parts of the, the year, there's going to be insects that hit your windshields. Okay, watch how cool this is. I call it bugs on the windshield. Okay. So you can be driving like a car you really like. It's like, dude, look, look at this car I just got. I got a Tesla. Bugs like Teslas too, dude. <laughs> Those bugs are going to hit your damn windshield. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's life. Like your mother's acting up. You're acting up. Your dog's acting up. Your significant other's acting up. It's bugs on the windshield. Now, with all those bugs coming at you, you could get like dramatic in the midst of the drama. To trigger somebody back to the place of innocence is to say, man, there's bugs on my windshield, but I'm kind of loving listening to Kenny Loggins. There's bugs in the windshield, but dude, I forgot Prince was that good. Or there's, there's bugs on my windshield, but I forgot that I liked the band Rush. 
depending on my client, is what kind of music I trigger them with. Yeah. Yeah, remembering that what brings you that joy, you know, that, that brings you back. It's so important. It's such a special feeling to get to, you know, because we get so caught up in the chaos. And yeah. when we can go back to that, it's beautiful. Hey, think about what I got to listen to. I'm known as a comeback coach. So could you imagine what comes to my office? I'm going to kill myself. Have Tim start to call me or I'll die in an hour. I got to take that stuff seriously, dude. I live a serious life. Yeah. Why am I so animated? Why am I so laid back? I've already done all kinds of stuff today. I just got done speaking to 5,000 people about two hours ago. I just had a, an amazing lunch because I'm launching a new company. Look how laid back I am. It kind of funny. Why is that? Because I've been triggering my damn self all day. I woke up listening to Earth, Wind and Fire. Then I went from that to early Kanye, because not grouchy Kanye, but early Kanye, because it puts me in a good mood. And I love Kanye, as people know. That's my friend. Mm. But I was listening to early Kanye, and that triggers me into a certain mood. So... Yeah, you could trigger yourself into a place of innocence. That was to answer that question. All right. Mia, do we have another question? Yeah, if we got yeah, if you want to do another, sure. Let's do Absolutely. it. I actually have a question for you because I love what you were sharing earlier about how we were we had it all figured out when we were in our adolescence. And I just want to know how would you suggest we tap into our imagination and sense of play? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great question. Question. So a lot of research on play. So when I say that, I pay a lot of money to smart people. So here's what I do. I like to, I like to give them more than they even think. So I'll go, okay, hey, you, I need some information on play and how kids play, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to give you this much money and I just drop it on them. We're going to Venmo it. You want it, you want it wired, you want it in a, in a bag. But I want this many pages because does that fair to you? And they can say yes. So these researchers who are super smart send me all this research. Like if you were to come in my office, you're always going to see like all kinds of research on one subject. So this is what we found out about play. Kids love to play because it allows their imagination to soar. So what, what psychologists have found is that it's in them. And if, if you push it down and suppress it, they got problems. That's why a kid wakes up and says, can I play? First, you got to eat. But then can I play? Yeah, but then you got to go to school. But then can I play? Yeah, but when you come home, you got to do your homework. But then can I play? Why are they thinking that? They don't want to be, su be suppressed. They want to play. They want to use their imagination. Watch. Mm -hmm. They want to, watch what I'm going to say. They want to release creativity. They're not, to, they're not trying to create creativity. They're trying to release it. How powerful is this? We wake up and we're going to work. Like, dude, get up. You get to snooze. Watch. 
because I got to go to what? Work. What? Then you come back. You got more work to do. You got to throw the trash. You got to feed all your 19 pets. Then you forgot something at the grocery store if you're married. You got work. I got, I got work. You talk about work. Kids are talking about play, play, play. So in my book, Miracle Mentality, I say you have to create time to play. The most brilliant people that I know, they play. You could be on the set, and I won't name drop today. You could be on the set of these famous actors, and they're like cracking up with each other. I never, I never knew this when I, before I knew these guys. They're like, they play pranks on each other. They jack with each other. They have to in order to get through that damn six-month shoot. I'm muted. Ah, there we go. I like what somebody just said. They just said, wow, wow, wow. Hey, stop. We got to get out of just damn work mode. Yeah. We got to play again. Go go hiking. If you used to get a, have a skateboard, even if you're 42, get your damn skateboard out or go buy another one. They got better wheels now. And, you know, get a mountain bike, take tennis lessons, take cooking lessons, take dancing lessons, salsa lessons, hip hop lessons, study to be a comedian. Just go out there. We're not talking about you have to be a professional. Just go play. Change your life. Man, thank you so much. I want to respect your time. And I just want to say thank you so much. I look forward to speaking on stage with you one day too, by the way. We will. Dude, you could. <laughs> you, you, you could. I think Russell Brand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Russell he's, he's got somebody coming after him because you guys have a lot of similarities. Because Russell's super clever and smart. And your cadence, your style is similar to him. But, man, I'm proud of you. That's why when you guys gave the invitation, we jumped to it. What a privilege to serve on your platform. And don't forget in your university of adversity to include Tim's story. Dude, what a privilege. You're, yeah, I mean, anytime, man. I'm. This was an absolute honor. And I would, I would just love that, man. Anytime. It'd be freaking amazing what we could create in the future. Absolutely. Life is good. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Wow. Absolutely powerful legend himself, Tim Story. That was so amazing. So amazing. Thank you to him. If you're listening to this live, you just experienced something very special something very special and if you get to see you get to hear that later on that was like one of the most authentic conversations and just i mean i don't even know what to say that was so awesome and thank you